This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. Today we're going to be talking about digging wells part two, and what we're going to be really sharing with you specifically trying to help you understand how important it is for your life to engage other lives. We had uh, shared last week about uh, God says there's two sins in Jeremiah that my people have committed. One of them is as they have, have forsaken the fountain of living water, which is God himself. And the other one was they dig cisterns, which basically are hold water, their rainwater, but some event in their life that God did and all of a sudden now, because of that event, they're going to be just live off that event instead of living off the life and living water that Jesus wants to be in our life. Well, today, um, I want to share with you how important your life is to engage. In fact, you men, you're going to get kind of a, um, uh, I would say, twofold uh, power in this message. Uh, tonight at 630, we're going to have a men's event. We're going to have the chicken shack uh, wings here. I mean, amen. That's the, their wings are the best in the you know best in the area. We have those here for you guys to eat. We're also going to have some worship and fellowship. And then we're going to be talking about how important is your life is in some other man's life. You know, the whole book of Job, and um, you know, it's awesome. what I love about the Word of God is it's always, always enlightening and and giving you power for your path. And some you know, quite a few years ago, I had studied the book. Because I wanted to understand what God was trying to say to us. And, you know, this book really is uh, one of the oldest books in the Bible. And uh, it's not really in this place of chronological order. Uh, But in in essence, what it was is that Job is this man who doesn't really know there's a spiritual fight in his life. And, you know, a lot of us Christians, even though God has spoken to us about a spiritual fight, a lot of us don't know there's a spiritual fight in our life. And as he's in this pathway, he just thinks that, you know, God's sovereignty and God's plan is, and design is, this is all his will. And Job finds him in this uh, place where he loses his wife, loses his children, has an a argument with his wife. And his friends are so in a, a place of um, loss for words. They don't even know what to say. God put these men in Job's life to encourage him to finish strong. And they sat and looked at his trial in life, and for seven days, they didn't say anything. I think sometimes us men, we're, we're more than a seven days. Some of us sometimes engage our friends or acquaintances, and we could go years without saying a word. I'm thankful that I've had relationships in my life where I've been rebuked, where I said, you know, you're a lousy husband. Or this is what God says about you know, raising your kids. Or, or this is a, uh, I remember um, Pastor Dwayne pulling me aside. He says, you know, your greatest ministry is to your wife. It isn't to the church. And I, I mean, began to realize that, that it wasn't, you know, that my wife isn't called by my side just so that we, I can do what God's called me to do. But I need to minister unto my wife. And that was my great, I'm so thankful these men in my pathway, and I have been a man in other men's pathways, 
to speak truth into their life. And tonight, I really believe that there's gonna be a lot of relationships that are engaged, new ones that will be engaged. And I think that we need to start having a culture because honestly, it goes against culture today. Today, they're trying to make men passive. We've already had a passivity inside of us, our manhood. Now they're trying to create a culture of passivity. And so that we'll never speak in, in those things that we'll feel and sense. And today we're going to learn about a man in the first service here today. We're going to learn about a man who resisted culture. It was culturally in that space of a time for him to go, you know what? I am just going to let things take place. I'm, just, I'm not going to step out. In fact, he risked his life in doing what he did. And while I'm getting you ready for this message today, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, because God's word tells us that if we sow to the Spirit, we shall reap in the Spirit in due season if we faint not. And so many times we realize that in, we're a culture that we don't, we don't get something quick and fast, that, you know, um, that then we're, we get impatient and we move on to the next thing where we can get something quick and fast. We're not, a, we're not a people that, that are really recognizing that God builds, and we're not a farmer. Certainly, we're not farmers in, in most of our lives because we go right to our local grocery store and get all of our farming needs for food. And so farmers understood this. They recognized that there's a time, you know, a season to sow and a season to reap. In fact, when God said to Noah after the flood and judgment came, see, when judgment comes, God says there's always a new beginning, that comes in that space. And so what happened is that in that day, Noah says, this shall always happen. There should be a time of sowing and a time of reaping. There will always be, God set that forth. There will always be a time of sowing and reaping. And yet many of us don't operate and believe that to be true because you can see it in our individual daily lives. There are many times where we're going over there and we'll look at somebody in a space of our time and we'll literally judge whether they're going to listen to us or not listen to us because in the space of what we expect from them in the hour we talk, we don't see it as the Lord says, look, I want you to tell them. And it could be two years later you reap from it. Today we're going to talk about a man that in the Bible it says he risked his life. In fact, in every day of his life was really a risk because of what he did with what the Lord moved upon his heart, he did what was, it was something that was literally dangerous. And what had happened is he was underneath the leadership, King Zedekiah, he was underneath a leader who was literally a cowardly lion. Man, that's what we live in our leadership today. There is just not leadership that stands up for what they believe. There's not leadership that stands up for, you know, for the fight of fight of good, you know, and we'll fight with our fists, but we won't fight in our spirit realm. And so King Zedekiah happened, he was put in rule in Judah in a time underneath Babylonian empire. And because of the pressures on the outside of his life, man, does that sound like today with us? Because the pressures that was outside of his life, he began to rebel against the Babylonian Empire. And as he was, began to rebel against the Babylonian Empire, he began to seek new friends that were against the Babylonian Empire. He wasn't seeking God's will. He wasn't understanding the time and season in which he was living. He was literally finding the pressures that were going on around and coming up with his own understanding of what he thought was right and wrong. Does that not, again, sound like today? And so what happened next is, is that God raises up. He always raises up a standard. 
I believe God's raising up his church today to be a standard against unrighteousness. But it's, that standard is on the inside of us way before it gets on the outside of us. We as Christians, we, we, what we like to do is we measure everything by whether we're doing the right thing by what's going on around us on the outside. But man, if you read the Bible like I read the Bible, you better not come to that conclusion. Because what was going on a lot of times immediately on the outside did not look victorious. But the man or the woman that stood up inside of them, even children, today we're going to be talking about, even tonight we're talking about a young man, 16 years old, who stood up for truth on the inside of them. And because of that truth, became a victorious man. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7, do not be deceived, reading from the Amplified Translation, and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself. You means he inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. Which means, what that means really simple is, is anybody that looks at God is not the big deal, makes himself a smaller deal. For whatever a man sows, that that only is what is that only is what he will reap. For he who sows to his own flesh, lower nature, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay, ruin, and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let not and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting. Do- nobly and doing right for in due time and at that appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen or relax our courage and faint so then as occasion and opportunity open up to us let us do good morally to all people not only being useful or profitable to them but also doing what is in their spiritual good and advantage being mindful to be a blessing especially to those to the household of faith those who belong to God's family with you in themselves. Now I want to read again that same passage from another translation, message translation. Don't be misled, God's people. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he'll harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvest a crop of weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a great crop, a good crop, if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Father, I pray that that just, Lord, that burrows in our hearts today. That we would be people, Father, that would be moved by your spirit. That, Lord, to to recognize that you're digging wells. You're going to work through our lives to help dig out the dirt. To dig out all the space, Father, of, Lord God, of, uh, of distraction, Lord, between you and them. God, help us to be, Father, those that are counselors, teachers, instructors, encouragers, People, Father, that are trying to be a conduit of how great you are. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. All right, now we're going to read about the gentleman that I want to uh, talk to me about. It's a hero in the Bible. 
more than likely you've never heard of him, Ebed Melech. Now he's a man that we don't get a lot of literature about, but yet God brings his inspiration to us in a moment in Jeremiah's time. I've already tried to paint the time period. Zedekiah is king. He's got sons and grandsons. He's got a bunch of others underneath him. Nobles, they call them. And what's happening is, is Jeremiah has had a word from God. And the word from God is this. Look, you are having a siege from Babylon. They're coming back and they're going to take down the walls. They're going to take down the temple. And it's a word that nobody wants to listen to. In fact, Zedekiah has come to that space in life where he's, got, he's surrounded himself not with the presence of God, not with the presence of truth, but literally the presence of optimism. And let me tell you something from a person who knows this um, firsthand. I'm a very optimistic person. Optimism and faith are not the same. They're not the same. Optimism is you listening to yourself and your skill set. Faith is you listening to God. By faith, the Bible says it very clearly, comes from the hearing and the hearing from the word of God. And in this space of time, there was no optimism that was going on other than that God had a word for his people. And that he said, if you will surrender, now that doesn't go well with us men anyway, but if you will surrender your life, you will surrender to the Babylon, then God says, I have a plan for you. But King Zedekiah wasn't about to do that. In fact, all of his uh, co-workers and those noblemen around him were not advising him to do that. But yet one man named Jeremiah was going over there and saying, look, I dare to speak the truth into this situation. I dare to tell you, even at the risk of my own life. And Zedekiah began getting angrier and angrier and more and more upset to that point. And then he became like that cowardly lion. He just began to go over there and says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just not in charge. I just hope all my noblemen around me will just take charge. And we're going to read about some of them right now in Jeremiah 38. Here's these noblemen that are around him. And miss, many of them are young men in this space of time. Shepatiah, son of Matan, Gedaliah, son of Pashur, Jehko, son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, son of Melchijah, heard what Jeremiah was telling all the people when he said, this is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine or plague, but whoever goes over to the Babylonians will live. He will escape with his life. He will live. And this is what the Lord says. This city will be, this city will certainly be handed over to the army of the king of Babylon who will capture it. The officials said to the king, this man should be put to death. He is discouraging the soldiers who are left in the city, as well as all the people by things he is saying to them. This man is not seeking the good of these people, but their ruin. He is in your hands, King Zedekiah answered. The king can do nothing to oppose you. You see the cowardly line? So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of Melchizedek, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard. They lowered Jeremiah by ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud. And Jeremiah sank down into the mud. But here's our hero today. But Ebed-Melech, a Cushite, an official in the royal palace, the herd, heard that they had put Jeremiah into a cistern. While the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went out to the palace and said to him, My lord, the king, these men have acted wickedly in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet. They have thrown him into a cistern where he will starve to death when there is no longer any bread in the city. 
Then the king commanded Ebenmelech the Cushite, Take 30 men from here with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebenmelech took the man with him and went to a room underneath the treasury in the palace. He took some old rags and worn out clothes into there and let them down with the ropes to Jeremiah in the cistern. Ebenmelech the Cushite said to Jeremiah, Put these old rags and worn out clothes underneath your arms to pad the ropes. Jeremiah did so. And they pulled him up with the ropes that lifted him up into the cistern. And Jeremiah remained in the courtyard of the guard. So what we have is Jeremiah, who many of us will do in history, he's called the weepy prophet. God has given Jeremiah a message to the people of God that's not popular. It's a message where they're going to let go and let go of their city. Can, can you imagine if God had given, it'd be like this, if God had given the word to this church and said, look, I says, what's about to happen is, is that we're no longer going to be able to meet on Sunday mornings. The new law of the land means that we're going to shut down, shut down Sunday services and that there's no way that we can have service. And God gives a word through a prophet and the prophet says, yes, we are going to lose our Sunday services, but I'm about to do a new work in this church. I'm about to meet in small groups. I'm about to bring new salvations. I'm about to bring new leadership. And that this word, I'm not, I'm not speaking this word right now, okay? But I'm saying if this were to happen and all of us would rise up and say, they're not gonna do this, but yet the Spirit of God said this is what to happen, many of us would literally fight and this is exactly what's going on in Zedekiah's day. I'm not going out with a fight. And yet God's word says, let go and let me, I have another land. I have a new, I have a new work that I'm about to unfold, a new chapter. And you know what? So many of us, we just don't want the new chapter. We don't want to adapt to what God is saying because we don't hear what God's saying. All we can hear is, is what God did say. Let me tell you something. We need to listen to what God is saying today and thank him for what he said yesterday. Amen? I'm going to tell you something right now. My wife is thankful for my words of love yesterday, but she's anticipating my words of love today. And God's anticipating for us to hear what he's saying in this hour. And in this, what was happening is God raises up Jeremiah to speak to the people of God. To speak to what, you know, and they did not want to listen. And yet, in fact, usually those people that, are, that have some posture or some placement of authority, they are the ones that struggle with it the most. Meaning us parents. Meaning us leaders in our, you know, in our, basically leaders in our community. When all of a sudden everything that we've worked so hard for, that God's saying, look, I'm about to do something new. It's really hard for us to adapt to that change. Ibn Melek listens to this truth and God moves upon this man's heart. So I think about in Steelcase when I used to be there, how many times God would move upon my heart to speak to somebody in my, my, work, my break hour. Or he would move upon my heart to, you know, after work hours. And I believe that God is, you know, moving on my heart. And there's areas, I, I tell you right now, that there's no way I can change it, but where I believe God was moving upon my heart for my neighbors. But I had dug so much, you know, I had gotten into the place where there's so much dirt in the situation that, you know, now I just didn't have any time to really hear what God was saying in that moment. Well, we're about to move and, 
you know, I'm, right now I'm going to be intelligent, very intentional about prayer. Whereas I recognize my fallacy of yesteryear. I can't change that. That's my weakness, my fallacy, my sin. But God, thank God he forgives us, amen, and cleanses us. But what can we learn? What can God do in this hour, in this new? Number one, it says relationships are work, and you will need to dig out the truth. Your marriage is going to be work, and you need to dig out the truth of who God is inside of your relationship. Your children are in your life, not so that we can just have pleasure and just hang out. And they are in your life because God, they're instruments of righteousness, and God has a path for each and every one of them. Proverbs 20 is a passage that I've, I've made it my uh, intentional directive in my life. Counsel in the heart of man is deep water, but a man in understanding will draw it out. I believe that, you know, we're getting past all the surface, getting past all of the uh, scenarios that go on in our life. You know, first and foremost, I want every one of my children and my grandchildren to know Jesus Christ. That is my first principle in my walk. Not that they love dad, not that dad is, a, you know what, as their friend. I did not come into their life because of the friend. I came in their life to be their dad, okay? And so there's gonna be times where we're popular and sometimes we're not popular, but the bottom line is, I want to aim them at Jesus. And how many times that the Bible will tell you right now, God is not always popular to listen to in your life. There's going to be times in your life where God, our Father in Heaven is going to tell you that you're wrong and you need to change. And if you as a dad never tell your child that they're wrong and they need to change, you are not helping that son or daughter ever see their Heavenly Father. If all you be is their friend, how in the world are they going to make that transition from you being their friend to their heavenly father? Because God the Father in heaven is not interested in being their friend. He's interested in being their heavenly father. Amen? And the same thing when it goes on to you know, being your spouse. Your spouse is not there so that your life can be better. Your spouse is there so that they come into your life and all of a sudden you're going to learn from them. You're going to engage their life. And yes, your life will have, take on new meaning. But I'm going to tell you, they'll, they're going to see your problem more than you see it. And they are put there in that space of time to help you become more like Christ. And what happens a lot of times, as long as they tell me what I want to hear, going back to Zedekiah, I'm going to stay in this relationship. But the minute this relationship gets a little bit on the, on the little bit, you know, the rocky side, well, you're not telling me what I want to hear. You're not, you're not warm and cuddly. You're not, you're not, well, what's happening is, is all of a sudden counsel's like deep water. And a man of understanding will draw it out. The, digger, the, the deeper you go, let me tell you something, the harder it is to pull it out. When, you're when you've got a real shallow well, how easy is it to dig out that dirt? But man, I'll tell you what, when you've got a deep well and you're starting to dig out, you've got a lot more work in getting that out of there. Are you willing to go through all the work for Jesus to be expressed so that he can see his living water come through your marriage, his living water come through your children, his living water come in your workplace, his living water come into your church? That's what it is. And it's going to take time to do that. And you're going to, you're going to have to resist the temptation to be the cowardly lion and the passivity approach. Or it's somebody else or pastor's job to do it. Number two, the greener grass on the other side, it did not grow without water from a well. Amen? Let me tell you something. We go, well, man, I really, I mean, that marriage is, is just amazing. Or, or what's going on in their children? Let me tell you, they, we all need from the fountain of living water. 
And it didn't come from something that was really shallow. Somebody, somebody went through the work of digging deep and realizing that God has a plan for that marriage. God has a plan for that relationship with that child. God has a plan for that workplace. Please don't compare. 1 Corinthians 10 says, he who compares himself among himself is unwise. This is something we all get involved with. Ladies, you, you look at other ladies and you span how, you know, what they look like, what they wear, who's the man that's on their shoulders, what, you know, what they're, you know, what, you, you sit there and you compare. You guys, you do the same thing by what, you, who's, what's driving, how big their truck is, how fast their car is, you know, what, who the, who's the, the trophy wife that they have or their kid. You, you, we all do it. Stop. God literally says, who did Jeremiah have to compare to? And yet God looks at this man as a hero. Who did even Malik have to compare to? Yet God looks at this man as a hero. Don't quit, number three, don't quit until you reach his living water. Why do we quit? Gentlemen, ladies, why do we quit? Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Yesterday, I'll tell you a funny story because I'm getting kind of intense here. So uh, I'm going to tell you guys a funny story yesterday. Um, sorry, Nick. But anyway, <laughs> my son, uh, Nick, yesterday, he's um, in his house, and, and uh, he's got a problem with the septic system. And we really don't know what it is. And he's, uh, and his, um, his girlfriend is, is trying to do, like, live Facebook uh, time. Is it, anyway, FaceTime us and what's going on and, and so um, I said, well, you know, let's, you know, spin out the clean out and the septic thing. And he spins that thing out and something comes right out of that thing, hits him in the face. All of a sudden he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So now we've got, we've got the poo and we got the Ralph in. We got everything going on. And of course, you know what I'm doing? I'm laughing. I'm, I mean, I've been there, all right? I've been in these spaces. I'm like, it's so funny when it teaches, when it happens to your child. You know, so anyway, uh, and they just go, it's not funny. It's not funny. So anyway, you're having this conversation. I'm trying not to laugh. And of course, now I'm, I'm on the way up. I'm going to get a shovel and we're going to get in that, this, uh, we're going we're gonna to figure this thing out. There's one thing that God has made me to be is tenacious. I will not quit. Okay? And gentlemen, and I, tonight we're going to talk about that. And I realized, in fact, I had a pastor told me, he says, God gave you a gift, and it's called tenacity. So I realized this isn't me. It's God in me. Some of you got different gifts. Some of you men got compassion. Derek, you've got compassion. I don't have that. But when I get around Derek, guess what I become? Compassionate. And if Derek can get around me, he can become tenacious. So yesterday, as we're going and, and working through this thing, I buy a snake, and many of you guys probably know what that is. You, you kind of go over there and you're trying to clear the path. And, and uh, so, well, it's not, I mean, the snake goes 25 feet. Well, there's nothing tw within 25 feet. So then I, I look and there's uh, some pecs, um, and most of you guys don't know what that is, but it's like water line, the new plastic water line, and it looks like it'll be about 35 feet long, and I think, well, let's use that. So we push that thing in there, we're trying to break it, and I feel like I got it, 
you know, I mean, we got a breakthrough. <laughs> so anyway, breakthrough in the poo. But anyway, so we're, we're trying to push this thing through. And, and so I go, we'll test it again. And, and we're going, hey, it's all great. It's great. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Because, you know, all of a sudden you think you got a breakthrough. But no, you got some backup. All right. So anyway, so what happens is stopping and stopping. We're vacuuming it up, cleaning it all up again. And then, uh, oh, so, we, so now I go, I'm going to try it again. So I push it through again. I go, I think I got some more. So what happened is I don't even know. All of a sudden the this thing's like 35 feet long, and I hit something, all right, and it vacuumed. So now we got poo flying through the PVC pipe the other way. We're like, ay, 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 ay. <laughs> We're going over there. And now I'm watching, you know, I'm watching Sarah, who I've just get to meet, how she's handling it, and she's doing the dance. Nick's just... He's like the bear owner going over there. He's just frustrated. I'm laughing about it. It's not funny, Dad. All right? And Mom is going, Brenda's over there. She's just trying to clean everything up. She's just being the girl. She's just cleaning it all up. I mean, it's just, the thing is, is that bottom line, guys, is that we needed to be there together. And that's what I realized. That, you know, in our life, digging a well, so many of us quit today because we don't do life together. If you want to read the book of Acts, we're all like, they, 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 they sold everything, and then they gave it all up to one another. They met every day. Let me tell you something. That might be unrealistic, but it isn't in some ways. Because there are relationships that God is kindling today where we can talk with each other like anytime. Hey, I'm here for you. What do you, you know what? You need me to show up I'll help you get that thing broke. You know, we'll, we'll clean that septic thing together. Hey, you need somebody up, come, you know, just cry and pray together. Or just, you know what, let's just believe God together. So much has gone on and we, are, we isolate ourselves and insulate ourselves because what we think is, is that nobody else is going through what I'm going through. Well, maybe mine isn't specifically exactly like yours. Maybe your poo is a little different than my poo, all right? But the bottom line is, is that God's power lives inside of me. And what's happening right you is you're getting drained from the work. You're weary, this Galatians 6, in well-doing by me connecting with you or you connecting with me. What we can do is go, let's get this done in Jesus. Let's turn this trial into something that God can be show himself and he can overcome. God is greater in us together. And many times it's just another phrase, but it's not a lifestyle. Why do we quit? Hurts from the past. It seems like we just make the same path of mistakes that we did before. Stubbornness. Gentlemen, tonight we're going to be talking about some of us, we get older and we get less teachable. All of a sudden we think we go, well, we, we go by what we know. Let me tell you something. What I've learned about age is this, is that the one thing that I want in my life is a teachable spirit. I want to be able to apply myself and say, God, here I am. What are you saying? What do you want? In this hour, what do you require of me? What is it that you are speaking through me? Because we become some stubborn. Traditions of the old way of doing things. Addictions. Number four, God put Eben Melech in Jeremiah's path and he reaped the blessing. He put Eben Melech in his path and he reaped the blessing. Eben Melech was another noble, another official. All the other officials around him were speaking and saying, Look, we got to put, we got to shut Jeremiah up. 
we got to stop. This man is literally our undoing. But Eben Malik was saying in the midst of all of what's going on in him, he was sensitive to say, this is what God is saying. This is what God is speaking. He went to the proper authority. Now, can you imagine he is also in the presence of realizing that all of these men that have just listened to the king and the king has given an order to put Jeremiah in the son of the king's cistern, the pit. And now, even Melech has to go to the king to say, can I go to your son's pit and ask him to be raised out? Risking his life in doing so. What are we willing to risk because God's put something inside of us? Truth inside of our lives. Love. Compassion. Jeremiah chapter 39, verse 15 through 18. Again, small little space where we read what God and how God finished. And you will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. Jeremiah 39, 15 through 18. While Jeremiah had been confined in the courtyard of the guard, he's now lifted up out of this cistern, out of this pit. Babylon has sieged. Here's Jeremiah's word to Ebed Melech. God will have you reap in due season. It has been almost two years of Ebed Melech finding conflict in his relationship with his fellow nobles. He's been in a space of time where he has been jeered at, he's been mocked at, he's been pushed down, he's that guy in the corner. And yet, here's a word that Jeremiah speaks to him specifically. Go and tell Eben Melech, the Cushite, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I'm about to fulfill my words against this city through disaster, not prosperity. At that time, they will be fulfilled before your eyes. I will rescue you on that day, declares the Lord. You will not be handed over to those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your own life because you trusted in me, declares the Lord. What decision is in your space of thinking right now where you struggle being the cowardly lion, the passive space? I was uh, listening to this teaching in our men's event on Tuesday, where our men's on Tuesday night, and, and this gentleman stepped out and began to do devotions with his four-year-old daughter. You know what I find the hardest things in my manhood is to breach those spaces where I felt I have failed my wife, my kids where I felt I have failed my grandkids. Some of my grandkids are getting older now. One of them's, you know, turning 14 this week. Where I haven't been there like I believe I could have been or should have been. And yet it's so hard to have a fresh approach. To listen like Jeremiah did. Will I get in that well and dig it out? Or will I be like the other nobles and go, I just want, I don't, I'd rather have it just buried in that want to deal with it I know it feels comfortable I'd rather have it stay buried and maybe even throw some more dirt on it so I don't have to think about that space where I have failed and there's everybody in this room 
has sinned, which means every one of you in this room have failed. And many times, instead of going, God, please forgive me and cleanse me for not being there for Uriah all those 14 years, lead me, God, in this hour. Help me to be the pastor that she needs because she's a young lady. Help me to be the grandfather she needs to be to that young lady. How do I make that space? Instead of receiving the guilt of yesteryear to the presence and passion of tomorrow. God, help me be Eben Malik, to be heroic in my faith, to dare to go against the grain of even myself. You know, my biggest problem isn't those around me, it's me. I'm the one that's full of that fallacy thinking. I'm the one that's full of the shame and the guilt. I'm the one full of the memories. Yeah, I have the devil telling me what I haven't done, but I got myself telling me three times with more than what the devil's ever said I haven't done. Well, I face that space with God and be excited about what God can do tomorrow. Will I be Ebed Melech? Will I help dig that well in another man's life? And even so, is God's digging in my well? That living water can come in my life where I had guilt and shame, which is the dirt of that fountain. Now I can have living water and celebrate a birthday on Wednesday, even though it may not be is what I'd want it to be. It's a start. It's a start. And let's do this together with God. I, it's easy, some of us, and some of, in fact, there's some here in this right now that have, that have foster children. Some of you have had children from a past marriage and things just went awry and you just don't even know how to face it. God's speaking to you right now. Dig that well. Begin to take the time right now to say, God, help me face my battle of shame. I'll never forget a guy in Grand Haven, our drummer, by the way, good job, Jim. <laughs> so our drummer, uh, I had never, I had no idea that he had children in, uh, I believe it was, I could be getting the state wrong, but it was out east, and I thought it was Massachusetts. He hadn't seen his kids in, in years, decades. And I had given a message on, basically it was passion versus protection. Inside of this man's life was passionate about those kids. But he was protecting his failure because he didn't want to face it. And for years, that protection won the battle. He kept burying it. And then I gave that message that Jesus went to the cross because he was passionate about it. And all of the enemies wanted him to protect himself. If you protect yourself, we'll believe in you, Jesus. And Jesus says, that's not the course I'm on. My passion is this cross. Little did I know that that was going to touch that drummer. 
He came to me after. He said, I don't even know what to do. I feel like, I said, well, what do you feel God's asking you to do? He says, I'm supposed to connect, and I don't even know where to begin. I said, well, let's write a letter together. He became a dad. He took that step. He became an Ebed Malik and began to have a well with a relationship. Somebody in this room today is gonna have an Ebed Malik relationship in the time future. You've buried it. I get it. I get it. I get the fear and the shame that comes to all of us when we haven't done things we could have done or should have done. I get the voice of the enemy. But God is greater. He is greater on the inside of our hearts than the pain, than the rejection, than the fallacies of years past. That's why Jesus came. Whole point of him going to that cross was so that the past doesn't dictate your present and your tomorrow. That's why he came. That's why that cross is there. That's why we praise God, not because of just what he's done, because he has. And why do we get around and just rah-rah about all of his testimonies and victories? So you realize that God's not a respecter of persons, but that what he's done in another, he wants to do in you. That's who the God we serve. Father, God, I pray that you help us dig these wells. Remove that barrier, God, in our lives, us. The shame and the guilt and the, Lord, even the fallacies and fear that we've grabbed hold of. And I ask you right now, Lord, that you would make a new, like even Malik could rise up in all of us, God. You rose up in this man. And Father, all he was doing is just following that compassion in his heart. God, I pray that we could listen to who you are in our heart. Resist, God, what's on the outside of our lives. Press through all of that darkness. If you're here this morning, your head's bowed and your eyes shut, God is in this space right now with you. He loves you. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, he's digging that well right now. Eternity is locked up inside of you. And he's literally pounding on that door, knocking on that door. Will you let him in? In a moment, I'm going to pray right now. But if maybe, maybe you're that person that's had a pathway with Jesus, maybe at a young age, maybe even, even just, in the, uh, just a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter. Maybe you all of a sudden begin to, to start going in your old ways, following your old path caught yourself in the same old mire you've been in before. Jesus right now is being that Eben Melech to you. He's coming to that space where he's saying, grab onto these, these rags that I've wore. I want to pick you up. I died for you on that cross. Will you allow me again in your life? Let's all pray this prayer of surrender together, church family. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I come to you surrendered. Lord Jesus, you are my all. You died on the cross for my mess. And I receive your newness of life. Teach me your ways. Keep me 
from the foolishness of life. Holy Spirit, I yield to your leadership. Daddy God, I am all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and let's worship our God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.